Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Remote work's a tool, man. Like you said, there's some people, it's like they don't care to travel. Like, obviously, that's your gig, Jason, and that's my gig. Like, I love to travel. I love to be in other countries. Uh, you know, I love to use it as this tool for myself, but someone else's tool, it may be just to be at home with their dog and not have to have that commute. When you wrap work around your lifestyle, like you figure out what are the core pieces of the lifestyle that you want and work fits into that, then it becomes full a full piece of that fulfillment that I look at. Create stories about accomplishments, about metrics, about things that you've done previously Create those stories around specific bullet points in the job description. That was Jordan Carroll, a.k.a. the remote job coach. He is today's guest, and he's really seen remote work from all angles as an employee, as a business owner, hiring remote teams, as a coach who helps people land their dream remote job, and he brings a ton of actionable advice in this episode, not only for people that are seeking remote work, but also if you're an entrepreneur, whether you're established, whether you are somebody who is looking to become a digital nomad or bring their work on the road, there is a lot of value for you as well, particularly when Jordan breaks down his systemized process for networking and for making contacts. We've got a couple different sides to this interview. You're going to get some considerations on the lifestyle side, how to test the remote work lifestyle, some perks around having a base in Mexico. We talk about fulfillment versus happiness and why it's important to define fulfillment for yourself and how Jordan landed his dream job, and of course, actionable strategies that can help you do the same. And along those lines, in the remote work job-seeking space, Jordan shares his step-by-step process for assessing and landing remote jobs, why job interviews start well before the interview starts, the importance of having an exit clause, and of course, as I mentioned, systemized networking, building relationships that lead to incredible opportunities, which is killer advice that can help anybody listening. So a ton packed into this show. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get into it, shall we? Buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason here with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears. This 
is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. I'll keep this short because I want to get into this episode for you. Jordan Carroll is our guest. You can check him out at theremotejobcoach.com. As I mentioned, a lot of value packed into this episode. So if you want to give me any feedback on it, let me know what you think. I always invite you to get in touch. Jason at zero to travel.com is my email. You can also leave a voicemail. There's a link to my voicemail box in all of the show notes. And if you'd like, please stick around on the back end. I have some thoughts to share to wrap up the interview. Plus, I'm going to give a shout out to somebody in this listening community. And this is a travel opportunity worth seizing. I wanted to throw this out there. It inspired me. And I want to remind you that this opportunity exists for you as well. And perhaps... In the next coming months, this is a travel opportunity you should seize for yourself. So stick around for that after the interview. For now, please enjoy my conversation with Jordan. I'll see you on the other side, my friend. Thanks for listening. Well, dude, I'm excited to finally meet you. I feel like uh, I've heard your name, been running in the circles in some ways. So I should formally say Jordan Carroll, AKA the remote job coach. There you Welcome go. to the zero to travel podcast, <laughs> my friend. Whoa, whoa. Let's do this thing, Jason. This is a good time to be a remote job coach, huh? I mean, it's not, yeah, it's not bad. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I've been doing it for four or five years. So I think when everything happened, that's unspeakable. Uh, yeah. It kind of flipped the world on its head a bit. But, but I think now we're seeing like a, a correction, like the pendulum swinging to the other side. So there's all sorts of ways you could look at it, depending on your perspective. Well, I mean, we're going to get a ton of advice from you today. I think one of the big intentions behind having you on the show was just for you to share your expert advice on getting a remote job, right? So we can like dive into that later. And that's what you do. You have content and courses and coaching programs to help high performers learn a process to land legitimate remote jobs and gain more freedom and flexibility in their lives. So, you know, we're going to unpack the, the lifestyle, the reality of it, and also get some like, you know, good actionable tips. I read on your site that you had a nonlinear journey of gaining location dependence. And I was just wondering what you meant by that. I mean, I know you kicked it off, you know, with one of those coveted telemarketing gigs. Oh man. I lasted one day <laughs> yeah, yeah. doing telemarketing. I remember I did this temp job thing and uh, <laughs> I went and I did the whole telemarketing thing in, in the room with all the people and, and the headphones on. This was like on a break from college. And then the next morning, my buddies came to pick me up because there was like four of us doing it. And I just walked out of the front door and I just shook my head no. <laughs> and they were like, come on. And I was like, yeah, I never, I never just like left a job like that because I don't have that kind of work ethic. But that was the one time I was just like, no way. Well, you sell a piece of your soul every <laughs> single call. You know that, so it's uh, uh, is that right? It's tough. I've never yeah, yeah. That. Like I, and I didn't really realize it was remote work at the time. I was just like, it was interesting because I was interviewing with this company. It's like this national insurance company, and they were interviewing me and this one other guy. And we get to kind of the final stages. Dude, this was like a 12-step interview process. It was something insane. Like like one of the final ones, they actually come and meet your family. Like the, they come to your house. Like, like you, you only introduce like your future spouse to your it's, family. It was, in, it was insane. I mean, you know, back at the time I'm graduating college and they've got this 
pretty cushy starting salary and oh man the glamour of working in insurance the promise of that you know all these things mm-hmm. and they told me like their <laughs> biggest objection with me was that like hey you know we're interviewing with this other guy he's been out of school for a year he's got real sales experience and i was like all right hold my beer i go to craigslist and i get a telemarketing job because i'm like in between interviews like i'm like hey wait till you see me the next interview i'm gonna have a real sales experience And so I go and get this telemarketing job and it's for this like artist promotion company when basically like later looking back at it, like total scam, like total scam. What they would do is they, we'd call these people would have a rotating dialer on your computer. You'd just be, I'd just be sitting at like in between classes and my, my other job. And I'm like at my friend's house because it's closer to school. And I'm just like in a, a corner of the room, just like pressing the button and it's calling these people and they're like, hello. And they have no clue who I am. And I'm like, yeah, dude, you want to sign up for this like PR stuff for your, for your music, man. We want to get you, we want to get you online, dude. And we'd have this whole script to go through and you get them on this like $3 charge or something to like preview it. They put you on the front page and they give you all these bonuses. And then it just like, charges them next month, you know, like without really telling them that they need to cancel. Like you tell them, but the assumption is there's a, a certain percentage of people that never go and cancel the trial. I don't know if you regret things, you learn from things. I was very ignorant at the time and I just felt like I needed that, you know, needed that uh, experience. So I go back to them during the interview and I show them like my proof. I'm like, dude, I got this telemarketing job for the past four weeks look at my stats. Like this is real. Uh, and then I ended up apparently swear, like cussing in the interview. I don't remember saying the F word, but they said that I said the F word. And then they told my, my professor that they, uh, didn't go with me because of that. I don't remember saying that. (laughs) Not nonlinear. Maybe. I I don't know. (laughs) You know, you could have gotten points for just being yourself. I always suck at interview. Well, we're going to get some interviewing advice, but you know, like the interview thing, it's ironic because I do this for a living and you would think that, you know, yeah, I would be pretty good at interviews because I can carry a conversation in some way, shape or form. But the, I can't handle the, the BS kind of questions and just the, I think I work for myself because I just don't ever want to make a resume again. That that's just, that is annoying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like the thought of that, I'd rather like go clean toilets than for sure. like spend time making a resume. <laughs> I mean, the beautiful thing, Jason, is with the way that I approach and look at job searching, the resume is not as important of a part. Like you really, it should be a formality. Most people treat the resume like it's this, this golden piece of paper that, uh, you know, they, they end up tweaking and spending hours. It's like, let me find the right, like, adjective for this bullet it's like nah man like the, the point in which a resume comes into discussion should be a formality so happy to talk about that at some point too but uh i think i think you'd be all right man i think you'd be able to find something <laughs> maybe you can train me up uh, you never know you know looking at your the lifestyle changes you make i got i got some pulled some things from linkedin and you got some nice posts out there and i, I like that you're just kind of open and honest with with how things have been for you uh, it sounds like the move to working remotely really changed your life in a lot of ways. I mean, the health stuff you you, you mentioned, you can talk about that, quitting cigarettes and drugs and alcohol and things like that. I'm not sure if you're still like off all that yeah, stuff yeah, or whatever. I, I guess I want to talk about the 
the lifestyle of it and how it improved your life personally, because the idea, I guess, with this question isn't to paint like this rosy image, like the Instagram photo of, you know, everything's perfect and everything like that. It's just really trying to understand from your individual experience, how getting out and working remotely, because you can work remotely from home, of course. Not everybody wants to work, work remotely and travel or live in another country or whatever. But why for you, that was the thing? Yeah. And how it improved your life. Remote work's a tool, man. Like you said, there's some people, it's like they don't care to travel. Like, obviously, that's your gig, Jason, and that's my gig. Like, I love to travel. I love to be in other countries. Uh, you know, I love to use it as this tool for myself. But someone else's tool, it may be just to be at home with their dog and not have to have that commute. So for me, in the early stages, like the very first time I worked remotely for like a corporate company, it was a snow day. I was living in Boston. Snow comes down. I look at my email when I wake up in the morning and it's like, stay at home. I'm like, what? You get to stay at home? This is awesome. Like extra hour of sleep. You know, I don't have to go out there and shovel the snow and get it off my, the car, you know, do all those things. And yeah, for me, initially, it was like this this buffer for a hangover or it was extra sleep or whatever. But over time, what I realized was, wow, I could convert this time and the choice of the autonomy over my day into being a better person and like being the highest version of myself, whatever that was. At the, you know, it, it started slowly with, oh, I need to just use this to maybe be more productive in my job. Oh, I can actually make food at home. I don't need to be in the cafeteria or, or go to uh, get, get takeout right next to the office anymore so I can actually make my own food. Oh, I can go to the gym at any time I want. Like there's these, these choices throughout the day that remote work becomes that tool. That's it, man. And, and, and for different people, that's a different thing. And so along the path for me, it allowed me to make those lifestyle choices where maybe my life was in flux. Maybe I was having some sort of existential crisis because I was breaking up with my girlfriend. Maybe I was, you know, just tired of getting drunk on the weekends and not having any purpose in my job. Well, okay, now what can I have control over? And, you know, there's nothing truly in life that you have control over, but hey, I feel like I've got more choice because of remote work to do X, Y, and Z. So it started with those smaller choices and then more grand was like, wow, I can make these huge lifestyle decisions like traveling the world, like changing my, my health completely, like making a real commitment to that, uh, trying hobbies that I never thought I would do, you know, things like that, that you just really don't have time for if you're commuting to an office and, you know, you, you're really beholden to that type of culture. So small steps turn into big changes, I guess. And what, what was the biggest change, the biggest moment? for you i imagine untethering from the sort of the living in one place in your home country type of thing was that was there a moment where that just kind of you just did you just go all in on the lifestyle or how did you i I guess what i'm fishing for here is you know for somebody that's listening that maybe wants to test the lifestyle let's say to see if it's right for them and when i say the lifestyle i mean the travel work lifestyle not just the remote work from home but the actually traveling yeah. or living abroad and doing it yeah you did well, remote year right was that i did yeah yeah and, and and if i look back on some transformational and foundational things it was like making that choice well first it was like brit you know leaving corporate right i was i was working corporate and i was working remote 
in a corporate job, but it was just in the U.S., you know, so I could, I could kind of travel within the U.S., but I still had some client visits. It was, you know, it, it wasn't completely free in that sense. And I'd always said, oh, I want to travel the world. I knew that. And so eventually I left that to go to this really small PR firm where I had a little bit more flexibility, but still, you know, had some things in Portland that Oregon at the time when I had a girlfriend, but then I had the breakup with her. And then I was like, okay, now it's existential crisis. Like I have a moment in life where I thought I was going to get married to this person. I thought my life looked like this. Whoa, what if it looked like that? And then I found out about remote year. So that, w- that was definitely a, a moment for me that was like, really key. Do you want to explain what it this. is just so people know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you all the all the deeds, Jason, because there was a really big piece in there that I think is good for people that are listening to this. I found out what Remote Year was from a targeted ad. And basically, Remote Year is turnkey digital nomadism. You pay them a monthly fee. They set up all the logistics for you to take your remote job that you already have and travel the world to a different country every single month. So I pay Remote Year one monthly fee. I've got my accommodations, my co-working space. I'm traveling with a group of people. It's a community in a box, digital community, digital nomad community in a box. And, and I found out about this thing and I set up a call with them. I was like, man, I really love to do this, but I want to work for these guys. It's like, I want to get a job at remote year. This was the key. And I, okay. and I, this was your hack. This was my hack. And this is a hack that you can, you can take across any sort of opportunity. I thought to myself, well, hey, I want to do remote year. So I ended up talking with one of the guys who is a program consultant. He's the sales guy. And I, and I get on the call and I'm looking at him and he's got this freaking surfboard behind him. He's like, hey, man, like, <laughs> you want to do remote year? <laughs> you know, like, that's cool. You know, like, I'm just like, dude. He's, he's like, just, you're allowed to say, you're allowed yeah, to say the F word on this yeah, call. <laughs> this, yeah, this interview, profanity is allowed. And <laughs> and he's sitting there and, and I just, I noticed there's people walking behind him. He's, you know, you could tell he's in a tank top. You could tell he's, he's just living and, and he's in South America somewhere. I don't remember. I think he might've been in Argentina or Colombia or something. I don't even remember where he was, but I'm just like, man, that's what I want. Like I want that lifestyle. And so I was like, okay, well let me get it with remote year because I had enough saved up from the corporate job. I was like, I could, I could float myself on remote year for a number of months and I, would, I was like, I'll find something else too, or I'll start my own business. I'll figure it out. But I want that job. I want the exact job that he's doing. And I told him that on that call. I'm like, hey, man, like, I really want this job. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you I want, want to do your job. <laughs> but you want to do remote year, right? He's and like, so stop trying up, to steal my job, Jordan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically was uh, the premise of that conversation. Ultimately, I do it. I sign up for it knowing that I have enough savings and I'm going to figure out some freelancing stuff. I'm going to, I'm just going to figure it out. And that all goes to plan. I end up leaving Portland. I go on this four month remote year trip. It was the first four month trip they ever offered. They only did a year before that. So they offer this four month trip. It goes to four different countries, 50 people on the program that I've never met. Crazy experience. But the reason I did it was like, who else would be able to get a job at remote year better than a customer at remote year. So I'm like, I'm going to be a, a, a customer, but I'm going to show up like in a big way. So every single city that I went to, you know, there's city managers and there's people that you meet that are working for remote year. And I'm like, Hey, you know, like I really want to work for remote year. Like these are the things that I think I'd be really good at. Like, what is your perspective? I was basically doing live in-person informational interviews. I was networking, getting to know them. And at the same time, I'm like hosting live workshops for my group or I'm like 
just really involved, you know, like I'm someone in the group who everybody is like looking to as a leader. From that four month program at the very end, a job comes up, two people submitted me as a referral without me ever applying. So you think when I walk into that interview process, what's that going to be like? You know, they're asking me questions about, you know, mock mock stuff about running. I'm like, yeah, I just did the program. Like I know everything. <laughs> so for me, the, you know, the lesson there is wherever you can become part of an ecosystem of an organization, wherever you can pay to be part of something or even be a free user and get to know the product, get to know the people, like organizations in their ecosystem are, are navigatable if you choose to insert yourself in some way. That makes it so much easier in the interview process. It makes it so much easier in the application process. It makes you a, a standout candidate in every way possible. Hmm. So you did end up working for them, I'm guessing. Yeah, for a year and three months, I worked for Remote Year right after that. So I ended up going and doing training yeah, in Mexico okay. City. And then I was able to work remotely from anywhere in the world. I was the guy with the tank top on asking people if they want to do remote year. <laughs> All right. So for somebody that's hearing what you described for the, that program, and there's other programs like this out there, like who is it worth it for, for somebody that uh, is interested in like, you know what? I don't want to, yeah, like I'm going to sign up for this thing and it's going to cost me like, cause it, unquestionably it costs more money than to book the net, the accommodations yourself and everything. That's part of the thing, but you have the built in community and all that. So yeah, just like, uh, I mean, I know this is biased cause you, you worked with them and then all that kind of stuff. But if you can just kind of step back from that and just really paint the picture of like who that might be right for. Yeah. And Jason, I'll tell you, I'm biased, but I like wouldn't do it again right now at this stage. So like there is a, there is a clear, there is a clear demo, I think, that it really fits for. And that's either people that are really early on in that travel journey, um, people that want a community around their travels. Um, and I found that there's a lot of women on there for more of a safety reason too, like to be traveling with groups. And that's completely understandable that there would be you know more women uh, doing that. Now, here's the thing though. Remote Year was bought by Selena, I think about a year, year, year and a half maybe two years ago, like right out of the pandemic. The co-living yeah. uh, company, yep. right? Hostels, they do have the big hostel chain, co-living, co-working. So they, they've changed a bit. They've changed a bit of their model. They changed a bit of their messaging. They now have like month-long trips. They have retreats. They have every flavor that you can imagine. imagine. And now their community is like a subscription basis. Now I got grandfathered in to the community because I was well before that. Um, but here's the way I see these kind of programs is... If you currently are tra even if you're currently traveling or you're a well-experienced traveler, but you don't have a remote year, a nomad base, a dynamite circle, uh, uh, a nomad cruise, any of these communities that are well-established around the world, I would just try them, right? Because th there are a lot of different options to try these. And this is something that you mentioned, some advice for someone is just like, the way that you can try on this lifestyle is go to one of these communities and do an event. Whichever one resonates the most with you, check it out, go to an event and be inspired, meet people that are great, and then be become part of that alumni community. Because wherever I go anywhere in the world, like I was just in Portugal, I connected with people from the Dynamite Circle, I connected with people from Nomad Cruise, I connected with people from Remote Year. Like I'm staying at people's places. I'm I got a, a piece of a suitcase because I needed another suitcase. I, I never 
do check-in, but I had more that I knew what to do with when I got to Portugal. Uh, so I, I literally, someone just gave me a suitcase while I was there because I, I knew them from dynamite circle. Um, I need to take a shower. <laughs> I hit up people in these groups like, Hey, no, I need a shower. Like, can any, I'm in between Airbnbs. I'm like, can I get a shower? Someone let me have a shower. So it's like those in between moments, man, when you have all these communities that you can rely on, it's, it's in every single city, like major city in the world. It's beautiful. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why we're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now, back to the show. How do you like living in Mexico? Why did you choose Mexico of all the... A woman. Places? Well, I chose Mexico because of a woman mostly at the time. Uh but I do, I do love the convenience of Mexico. I love the culture, the food, the language, man. And in Playa del Carmen specifically where I live, it's very uh, livable. Walk everywhere. It's highly concentrated in, in one, so in one specific area of the, of the city in Centro. Uh, there's a lot of great amenities. Cost is rising, but it's not, it's not terrible. And the community here is amazing. There's a lot of really great people. And I've been here for about three years off and on. I've left a few times, but it always, you know, you always end up coming back to whatever that base is, you know, once you find one. So originally it came for my ex, ex-girlfriend as well was a big reason why specifically Playa. But then uh, now I have another, another girlfriend who's also Mexican. So 
Um, and I just like being in a place where I can speak Spanish. Um, it's just, it's just yeah. fun. Did you grow up in Cal? I know you went to school in California. Did you grow up there or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Bay area. So I grew up in the Bay area in, uh, in between San Jose and Oakland and then moved up to Northern California for university. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really resonate so much with the Californian culture anymore based on stuff that's ha- been happening there. It's like insane. I mean, even just the U S in general, maybe you can relate in some ways, but there's uh, well, yeah, I, I live in Norway, man. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> there's re- there's a reason, right? Yeah. I mean, for me, it was like, we had to make a choice, you know, where to raise our kids when we found out we were having our daughter and Norway was the clear choice for that. And seems to be still the, still the case. Let's say your tagline, freedom, flexibility, and fulfillment. I, I wanted to ask about the fulfillment part because this is a, one of those words that, you know, like kind of like success how do you define fulfillment for yourself? So when you're in this case, looking for a remote job that gives you the X, Y, and Z, you know, ticks all the boxes, but nothing ticks all the boxes, right? I don't know if you find in your process it's important to define what maybe fulfillment means. And I like that you use, I mean, maybe it's you just like alliteration because I do, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, I do think that's a better word than success. You could, you could kind of swap the, you know, some people might say, well, those, you know, maybe that, success feeds into the fulfillment, but there's a bit of relation there with those words. And yeah, I'm just wondering, because this is, this is an important question for people who are considering new jobs and new changes and things like that. What is like, what does fulfillment mean to you? How would you walk somebody through the process of defining that for themselves? Let's say. Yeah. To me, fulfillment is a sense of purpose greater than oneself. So whatever in your life brings that it doesn't have to be work and in fact work itself the the thing is like there's there's a weird dichotomy with work it's like you're going to be working more in your life than everything else other than sleeping for the average person so i think work should have some sort of contribution element to you i think it should have something where you feel like you're working towards something bigger with people that you give a shit about but it doesn't need to be the sole source of your fulfillment and I think that's a mistake that some people make is they they make work need to be their family, their friends, their full sense of fulfillment. And that's why when you wrap work around your lifestyle, like you figure out what are the core pieces of the lifestyle that you want and work fits into that, then it becomes full a full piece of that fulfillment that I look at. Um, I think that a lot of this is also connection to self. It starts with the fact that you are completely responsible and you have full ownership of your own happiness, your own fulfillment, and the way that you look at the world. And I think there's a lot of times in my life where I've outsourced that. You know, I've like looked at things and said that that I need X, Y, and Z to make me happy. But the true fulfillment that I see is when you can be in your own skin and be excited when you wake up in the morning. You know, obviously there's some days that may suck, but overall have a general sense of purpose that's bigger than you. How do you check in with yourself? How, how do you, you know, itself is an ever evolving thing, of course, right? And that's like one of the illusions in life. I feel like we, we just assume we're the same self we were six months ago. 
because it's just everything's so gradually happening. And in, in many ways, of course, we are, but also you have more experiences, things change, flavors change, whatever. Yeah. Do you actually check in with yourself in that way and, and periodically? I mean, it's not, not a schedule thing. I'm just curious, how do you look within, I guess? Yeah. Well, absolutely, and I and and I do have to schedule it, Jason, because <laughs> I'm a neurotic, okay. neurotic type A, like <laughs> ADHD. Like <laughs> I, I have to like things got to be on my calendar, or or they don't uh, necessarily happen. And then even sometimes I'm I let things slip. But there, there's a couple different structures I create for that. One is a weekly reflection process on Sundays, where I go through a step of reflecting on the past week, like basically writing out all the wins then writing out all the gratitude from that week and then writing out all the lessons I learned. And a lot of that comes from a daily journaling practice as well. So I have, uh, it's actually right next to me, the five minute journal from intelligent change. Oh yeah. I used to use that. Yeah. So I I, I use that for four days or so a week. Um, and it's, it's really great because at the end of the week on Sunday, I look at my calendar and I look at the journal and then I digitize everything in the journal into a Google doc. And, and that helps me relive it and rethink about it. And so I have, yeah, I have stuff in there for, you know, from, for years, like so I could just go back to a random week three or four years ago and see, you know, what was I thinking that week? And it's cool to, to have that. Um, and then there's also parts of my daily routine where I create space. I think the best way to reflect is creating space. And what I mean by that is not having technology not having, you know, something that's distracting you. And for me, a lot of that's breath work. So I I got really into breath work a while ago and I'm actually doing a certification later this month to facilitate breath work. And it's crazy that there's this, this thing right here that we're doing just constantly that we take for granted. And if you just go a little bit deeper with it, it could absolutely change your life and the way that you think, the way that you feel. So I feel like that's a great reflection process because I can get really into my body and a lot of my decision-making and a lot of my intuitive intelligence is within my body, but I just need to, to access it. So that's that's a way to access it. Um, and then I go to the sauna and the cold, the cold plunge. There's actually one that's maybe a 10, 15-minute walk from me. And... I just got back to Mexico a couple of days ago, so I, I, I got to go re-sign up for my, my monthly subscription there, and I'll, I'll go usually four to six times a week there as well. Hey, man, come on over to Norway. We got a, a serious yeah, cold yeah. plunge in that fjord. <laughs> I bet. The sauna cold plunge thing. I mean, it's right there. You know. <laughs> yeah, Let me yeah. know. Let me know. Make it happen. Yeah. You might have piqued somebody's interest with the the breath work thing. Do you have a, a resource or two you could share if somebody's just like, you know what, I'd like to look into that a little bit. Is there something that you recommend yeah. to check out? Dude, honestly, it's so easy. YouTube. Uh, there's a, a yeah, YouTube account YouTube called... YouTube and search. Well, there's a YouTube account called Breathwork Beats that I really like. There's one called Breathe with Sandy that I really like. Um, then there's also Wim Hof has like his standard one that like he doesn't have a ton of breathwork ones on youtube but he has like the standard one so if you're really new to it i would start with just some of these like five to ten minute ones on youtube that's like perfect because it's free you just turn it on and let it go let it guide you 
Should we get into a little bit of advice here, since this is what you do professionally? Sure. You've done it in your personal <laughs> life. You've 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 seen this from all angles, man. I mean, you you've worked the corporate remote work gigs. You've run your own thing. You've been part of remote years, the communities, and all that. But you know, in order to create that lifestyle for yourself, you have to first, I guess, land, you know, find a job and land a job and all that type of stuff. So I, I know, you know, there's a lot of nuance within this process and it can be very individual depending on that person, but I'm sure you have some good top line tips and, uh, you know, we can go through it. I mean, I don't know if the best way to do this is ask like about resumes and the best way to apply and like sort of like that. But uh, the first question I want to ask you, and then you can kind of guide me in how to sort of tackle this is, is college still necessary? Is college still necessary? I mean, I don't know if, hmm. The short answer is the short answer is no, because there are plenty of people that have succeeded without a college degree, even up to this point. And there are more and more certifications and boot camps and, you know, things that are coming up that are alternative forms of education that can help people land jobs. But, you know, I think there, there are some, there's, there's a bit of the stigma that's going away around that, that I would love to see, you know, go away even more but there are there are many companies that will still look for uh, a college degree now depending if you have experience or not already in a given field they may overlook that but i think that's an individual's choice like for me college and the university experience wasn't necessarily about the education looking back on it it was about then the soft skills that I learned being in a college environment and also the, the relationships that I built that that for me was, was what college was worth. And those things do apply in a lot of team environments and a lot of companies. So I think it's good for people to ask themselves, like, if you want to go get the college experience, like how are you going to build soft skills and what kind of relationships are you going to build? And maybe what kind of involvement can you have, with clubs and and things like that, because I think those can be really valuable. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, where should we start? Uh, let's start with the misconceptions and what people are doing wrong, because I think that's, that's a great way to get people's attention of like, Hey, stop doing this <laughs> or at least reconsider. And the first thing I say is stop applying to jobs. This is going to maybe be very counterintuitive, but I think most people, their strategy for, doing this whole job search thing is I'm going to go on this job board and I'm going to apply to jobs. That's it. Like, sure. That's the first thing you would think about. That's what you do. No, like it's, it's the quickest way to run yourself into the ground with discouragement because not only is everyone else doing that, but there is really no leverage you're building through that process of just applying unless you have the perfect resume which I would venture to say that most people who are listening to this particular podcast do not. And the perfect experience and all the things check, you know, checked off, then you're not giving yourself a, a, a real, real shot each time you just click that easy apply button, for example. So instead of looking for the easiest way to apply, my recommendation is to change your mindset. And, and what the mindset should be is how can you make yourself the easiest choice? for a company, right? 
So let's, let's just start with that as kind of a basic principle. If we all agree that we're going to pause, and I'm not saying that you don't ever apply to jobs. I'm saying just stop for a moment to think, to reflect, to build a strategy, and to change your mindset. Because what most people are doing is they're starting off with a, a, a pretty short mindset about how they're going to do this. They're like, all right, I'm desperate. I need something remote. I'm going to run to all these jobs. Every job that I see that looks good, I'm just going to hit that apply button. There's no correlation between that quantity of applications and you getting the job. If you look on LinkedIn, you'll see there are people on there like, I've just applied to 500 plus jobs. I haven't had any interviews. You'll see plenty of cases of that. And I think one of the big reasons that happens is that in order to get an interview with a company, even just an interview and in a look, there needs to be some sort of trust or some sort of assumption that you are capable to do the job. And then it also doesn't hurt if you have some sort of transfer trust from a referral, for instance, right? So the way that I look at everything is let's hold on for a second. Let's get really clear on what it is you want to do. That starts with the lifestyle piece too. Because Jason, if I want to go live in Norway, if I want to go live in Mexico, if I want to go travel the world, the types of companies that are going to hire someone and allow them to do that are going to be very few. So I need to be super targeted. I can't just go online and and search remote as a filter and expect that every single company that comes up has the same version of remote because they don't. 95% of remote jobs have a geographical restriction applied to them. So so let's back up. Let's figure out what's the ideal lifestyle that you want to live. Once you've figured that out, now let's target companies. Not just go on job boards, but let's target companies that are going to allow you to live your ideal lifestyle. Let's figure out what is the size of the company that you want to work for? What is it that they're doing? What are they creating? How is it that you can be impactful to that type of organization? What industry are they in? Every criteria question that you can answer to get specific will help you in this because then you can be really, really targeted and you can go much deeper. And our goal is let's go deep on just a few companies like I did with Remote Year, right? And let's, and let's figure out how it is that I can be part of their ecosystem, that I can connect with people at the organization, and that I can either leverage my personal brand or networking to get a referral. That's going to be so much more effective than blasting out my resume and applying. And you're saying do this even if they don't have any jobs Correct. Posted. It's Perfect. almost even better yeah. because then there's no pressure, no desperation on your end. Now, certainly you do want to be pursuing companies and opportunities that are available. But there should be a parallel action where you're just looking at, hey, this is a company that I want to work for at some point in my life. So I'm going to play the long game. I'm, I'm not going to look at this as a desperate, quick opportunity. I'm going to look at this as long because that's a, that's a dream situation, right? It's like, think about the dream ideal situation. It's like, I really want to work for, for me, it was remote year. I also, just as an aside, and I'm not saying this as like to brag, um, I, I want to say it in, in the sense of the utility of what it is that I've built. If I wanted to drop this whole remote job thing and just have a remote job, I would be employed within one week, ish, and and it would be because of your net, the network be, you've it, built. It would be with zero applications. I ha- and and actually, I recently started a couple different contracts 
with companies that I really, really like. And I was like, oh, I wanted to, I know the CEOs. And I was like, hey, there's a few things that I could do for you. You know, they're really small scope projects. But I was like, oh, I just want to try this out and see how much. And so I do this myself too. But that's because of relationships that I had built with these people. One was because I cold outreached on LinkedIn to this person uh, two, two plus years ago. And we had developed a friendship over two plus years. The other one was a guy that I met in the Dynamite Circle who lives here in Playa del Carmen. So because of the communities that I'm part of, because of the relationships I've had, and also because of the personal brand that I've built, it's a no-brainer for some of these folks to be able to say, hey, like, I'd love for you to come do this for me. And, and then my request becomes really easy for them as well. It's uh, a great way to look at it, the, the long game. It's not always easy when you have bills to pay and you're anxious to get started, of course. But I would imagine you would also recommend not putting all your eggs in one basket, so to speak, like one company basket. Yes, you want to build relationships at a certain X company you want to work at, but maybe you should also try Y and Z and for sure. ABC and so on. <laughs> Jason, I'm curious, are you familiar with uh, with, with Gary Vee? I'm sure you probably know who Gary Vee is. Gary Vaynerchuk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the spastic so, guy that wants to own yeah. jets. So he I'm has kidding. the, yeah, yeah. He has the this concept of. I read his book back in the day. What, what was the book? How, uh, there, he's got a few. Jab, Jab, The Hook was one of them. No, the one before that. Mm. I don't know. Anyway. So, so I, I'm only bringing it up because there's this one thing that he said that I that really resonated with me. There's some stuff he says that doesn't resonate as much with me, but this one was like really applicable to the job search, and it was having macro patience but micro speed. So the way that if, if your mindset going into a job search is of desperation and is of I need to get this as quick as possible and is of you know this kind of scatterbrain energy. That's how you're going to show up in all the interactions. And companies don't want that. They want someone who's level-headed. They want someone who's competent. They want someone who they can trust can get the job done. And when you show up from a much better mental place, and this is a lot, this is also where I talk about, talked about fulfillment earlier and like self-awareness and like really being able to like sit with yourself is that that attitude and energy that you bring into every interaction counts. So if I'm looking at, having that macro patience, it's looking at the, the, the whole scope of your life and saying, if I'm going to get to this place of location independence, for example, fully remote work, and I'm going to be working for an awesome company that values me and that I love, like, yeah, there may be stepping stones along that path. And that may be due to a skill gap that may be due to opportunities not being open at the right time, maybe due to a lot of factors. But on the daily basis, how many interactions and, and how many steps are you taking to get to that? And how can you make that a priority to be like, hey, like one of the one of the, the easiest things that I tell people to implement is a five by five by five LinkedIn process. Connect with five people that are targeted people at the companies or creating content at the companies that you want to work at. Connect with five people a day, right? That's that's an easy one. Leave five comments a day on content that's relevant in your industry or with people that work at the companies you want to work at and then unfollow five people. The unfollow is because most of the time what we've done is we've conditioned our feeds to look like dumpster fires. I know that that's the case for me over the course of time is that there would be a lot of irrelevant stuff in your feed. But what LinkedIn should be is every time you open your feed, 
It should be supporting whatever that job search is for you. So clean that feed up every single day and only tell LinkedIn, hey, this is the relevant stuff I'm commenting on. These are the relevant people I'm connecting with. Send me more of this. And then over time, you have more serendipitous interactions that may lead to opportunities. So you're creating your own luck. That's something you can do every single day. But on top of that, you're building out this other larger strategy of, okay, here are the target companies. Here's the thing that I do better than anyone. Here's how I'm creating keywords. Here's how I'm creating a personal brand. Here's how I'm bringing people to me in an inbound fashion because I'll show up in their searches. So there's a lot of different ways that people can do this. But instead of just focusing on, hey, how can I get a job like really quickly? It's like, like that, that kind of energy is the exact thing that will repel you from getting a job really quickly. Yeah, I like the simplicity of the five by five by five and the fact that you are you're taking something, an algorithm that's designed to work in, in a company's favor and putting it back into your favor, essentially. Right? You're like, all right, well, they have their algorithm. They're going to show me the ads and the things, but also let me, if I'm very intentional about utilizing this algorithm on my side, it's going to start showing me the things I want. It's going to create these serendipitous partner or, or matches, I guess, like you said. Uh, so I would imagine, I guess, if you had like a small checklist of things people should have for starting this process of finding companies they want to work for and connecting with them and everything, uh, just from what you said, I imagine, you know, a good solid updated LinkedIn bio is one. Are you recommending that and, and utilizing the process you just laid out? Are you recommending that people should have some type of personal branding, meaning like a personal website or something like that? Is that a necessity you think at this point? Yeah, let me, let me clarify what I mean by that. And I'll give you kind of a chronological order of how I think people should do this. So I think the first thing is stepping back and getting the clarity. What is the type of company that you want to work for? What's the lifestyle you want to live? And, and really marrying those two because you don't want to be in a situation like I've had one client who came to me, you know, when they're looking to work looking to work with me and their recent experience was getting to like a second or third round interview. And then the company who said they had a fully remote work from home position in the US said, are you willing to relocate? She said, why would I be willing to relocate? I thought this was a, a remote job. She's like, oh yeah, well, pandemic's coming to a close. We're going to be bringing people back to the office a certain number of days a week. So this is happening a lot. Like people are, are getting duped by companies who don't have a clear remote work policy. Uh, and they don't even understand what it is they're doing. So let's get clarity on what, what your ideal lifestyle is. Let's get clarity on what type of companies will allow you that lifestyle from day one. Look at their about page. Look at their career page. If they don't mention remote work in those places, it's probably not. like They need to be someone who's not only remote okay and like okay with you working remote some of the time. You need to be remote supported. You need to be remote friendly. Mm-hmm. You know, it needs like to be a company that really, yeah, it needs to be a company that cares about remote work being a competitive advantage as an organization, because that's going to be the true type of company that you're going to want to work for if remote work's truly right for you, right? In that fashion, remote work is much more about the how it's done from an organizational standpoint, not the where. Like the where, you know, eventually we're going to get to a place where the where is really not a part of the conversation, but we're so stuck with that right now because because of everything that happened in the pandemic. Um, I really want 
my job seekers to focus on how do companies talk about the how. So find those companies. Now what you need to do is really take a, a look at what's the role that you could do. And be so freaking specific because if you can do marketing and sales and project management and you can code, you, you know, I have people who, who have all that stuff in their headlines or all that stuff. It's, it's like companies don't want a jack of all trades who can do everything okay. They're hiring for one specific role typically where they want someone to do something really well. So figure out what, is, what it is that you can do the best and hedge your bets on that skill set. And that's what you should be focusing on. So then we go look for keywords. So find five to 10 jobs descriptions. I recommend Teal HQ. Teal HQ is a job search CRM. Get yourself organized. Like actually have a game plan and a strategy with a CRM as a customer relationship management tool. It basically tracks all your opportunities, tracks all your network contacts. It allows you to set up follow-ups. allows you to do all these things. And it will also show you your keywords. So you can enter in job descriptions. It has a little Chrome, Chrome extension. You can save job descriptions directly to the app. It's amazing. And then from there, you can add in little notes or you can add in contacts or you can add in perspective and you can slide it to, oh, it's in applied, it's in interview stage, it's in all these things. So we first start with the clarity. Then we get to the point where we're organizing everything and, and, and understanding what we want to go after. Then we get those keywords. The keywords are really effective for allowing you to show up. And that's really what the personal brand is. The personal brand is just using what companies are saying they want and using those words instead of our own. You never have to create your own bullet points ever again. If you're creating your own bullet points, stop. There's artificial intelligence that can do it. And then there's also uh, examples in job descriptions. Just go into these job descriptions and literally take the bullet points. The only thing you should be doing is just adding your own metric in there or adding any additional context, but never starting from scratch to create anything, right? Because you have all these things to your disposal. So you can use the TLHQ. It'll show you what keywords are the most important. That's how we're going to be framing our personal brand. And then the commenting strategy and the networking strategy also helps you build your personal brand because it's allowing you to find your voice. And you can even use the bullet points from these job descriptions to start creating content. And you can even use the comments that you're, you're doing as their own original posts. Doesn't mean that you have to do that, but your brand should look on LinkedIn, for instance, like the type of person that these companies want to hire using the words that are in these job descriptions. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press, but I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago and immediately... I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years. I don't even remember how long it's been, and they are under 50 bucks, so they also make an exceptional gift, thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, 
you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people, on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. At what point during the relationship building do you do the ask? There's got to be a point where, you know, you say, hey, are you guys hiring or <laughs> or what? You know? Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, that, that's, a, that's, there's definitely a lot of nuance in that. What I recommend people to do is to start conversations based on a mutual interest or some sort of thing that can help you build a rapport. So typically what that looks like is there's a filter on LinkedIn. This is the most effective. There's, if there's one strategy that rules all of them in this particular part of the process, it's this one. There's a filter in LinkedIn. You can search by content and you go down and you search target companies. Within that, you can create a feed that is only content created most recently by people at your target companies. So you click this filter and then all of a sudden the feed changes and now it just shows like, let's say I'm looking at Zapier, let's say I'm looking at uh, GitLab, let's say I'm looking at, at Doist with, with your boy Chase and I, I add all those companies in this filter, it's just going to show me who's creating content at my target companies. Now I choose from that, what is the content that most resonates with me that I can realistically comment something that's meaningful. A meaningful comment for me is also formulaic. It's a compliment plus a perspective plus an open-ended question. Simple. I'm going to compliment the poster for something that I view as valuable that they've posted. I'm going to add my own perspective, which typically ties back to my expertise if I'm doing this in, in in a good way. And then open it a question to keep the conversation going. Now I've just warmed up a DM, right? Because I'm doing this all without being connected to this person. Once that has happened, and maybe we have a couple back and forths in the comments, when you send a connection request to this person, it's now no longer cold. It's now going to be much warmer because they know who you are and they've just had a, a conversation in the comments. So now I don't necessarily need to go for the ask yet, but what I'll re- reference is what we talked about. And if your personal brand and the way that you have your LinkedIn set up is good enough, a lot of times they'll recognize that maybe you're a good fit for a role that they're hiring for. I've had that happen for many clients where they end up messaging about the content, but the conversations turned around on them like, hey, we're also hiring for a lot of these because people get paid for referrals. Just remember that. So you want to put yourself in that position to get that serendipitous situation. But also, if you go into the DMs and you start talking about the content, you start having a natural conversation, what you can do is do what I call a projection, the projection technique, where you say, at some point in the conversation, maybe you've had a few back and forths, but now you're like, all right, well, now I kind of want to make this ask, but I don't want to be 
uh, I don't want to be in a situation where I'm, I just feel like I'm taking. If you project the question, you say, so I've been looking at the roles at your organization and I found this specific one is really good fit for me based on X, Y, and Z. If you were me, how would you go about applying so that I can stand out? So now you've turned it on them to give you advice. And because you're not directly asking for it, and if they're, you know, if, if they're capable of doing a referral, at that point, they'll give you the referral. If not, they'll maybe give you some good advice on what to do. Either way, you've just continued the conversation and you've been really specific about what, what you'd be good at. You don't want to just be like, hey, how do I get a job at Doist? Chase will be the first one to tell you he gets that message a million times a week. It's not a good way to do it. That's very good, Jordan. That's a great, that's a great tip. I, I mean, you know, I think that projection technique is, is basically giving you a specific actionable strategy to do what you kind of need to do overall, which is just kind of be cool about it, right? Like, hundred percent. You're you're trying to get a job, Unattached. but you're not trying to be like the the sort of yeah, right? Like the the needy kind of yeah. People can just sniff that out. Those are awesome strategies. So okay, so you get to this point, like you said, there's the nuance here, but I mean, Jordan, you're giving us great, really actionable stuff here. So you get to this point, you you find a way in. And now I guess we would be at the interview phase, right? Uh, at some point, I, I just wanted to hear your best advice for interviewing online. I imagine a lot of those take place online at this point, especially for remote jobs. You know, how important is the visuals? I mean, you mentioned the guy with the tank top and the, you know, the surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a no, no for some people. In that case, it's like, a that's going to help sell that service, but not right, necessarily, right. you know, yourself. Is that where we go next? Interviewing? If we're, if we're, Let's, if you're going to dish more yeah, advice. Yeah, I, I can definitely go there. I think one other thing to mention is just from a, there's, there's always a value exchange happening in inter, interpersonal dynamics, right? Like Jason, like you're providing a huge value to me by having me on your podcast, right? And I'm, I'm hoping that my value is reciprocated in some of the tips that I'm giving your audience that keep them coming back to your podcast, right? Well, just think about the way that your value exchange is happening in the interactions when you're looking for a job. Value is very subjective and it comes across all different parts of a spectrum. You commenting and engaging with someone who's posting content, the reason I brought that up was because it's a very low barrier way and low risk way, especially if you pick people that are maybe at your peer level or even below to connect with people at these companies and get practice, right? This will not be natural at the beginning, especially if you've never done this. So that's my fair warning to people is that this isn't me telling you to go send one message. This is like five a day. And that's where that micro speed comes in is where if you're able to like stack up these interactions and have five a day, imagine what this looks like over the course of a month or a couple months, right? There's so much serendipity that can happen. So, but the, think about the value exchange, right? The reason that we ask it in that way and the reason that we stay unattached to the outcome is because that particular mental attitude will be the thing that gets you further in this process. You may have that feeling like, oh, I need to be desperate. I need to like get this thing. I need to do that. But if you just take a deep breath, all goes back to the breath, right? And you just say, hey, like I'm truly unattached to whatever happens in this circumstance. That energy will then come through. And when you said people will sniff it out, 
people will sniff out that, hey, you're just trying to build a relationship. This is actually about building real friendships. That's all. And that's why I said pick content that you actually resonate with because the comment that you leave in those circumstances should be a real legitimate comment that you actually feel. So I just want to say that. And then, and then there's value in that, right? There, there's, there's value in you being authentic and commenting on someone's thing and, and like taking part in what they've created. People are creating that stuff because they want engagement. So if you're engaging, if you're sharing their content, if you're becoming part of their little ecosystem, they may be willing to do something for you, but the pressure is not for you to put on them to do that. Give them the opportunity to do it, but also be aware of the value dynamics that are at play in your interpersonal relationships. So I wanted to say that before we go to interviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's great, man. Thanks. That's an important point. I mean, even not to get too mad here, but even when, you know, when this podcast comes out and I'll, I'll send it to you and, and let you know it's out and I'll, you know, offer you the opportunity to share it with the link and everything. But if, if you don't, no worries. I always say that's, it's okay. Like, you know, it's totally, if it's your audience, your decision. Um, so you're just trying to be like, I always like to try to give people like an out, you know, you know 100%, yeah. or something. it's like, just kind of like, you know, yeah, I don't expect it. It's, it's all good either way type of thing. And, and it truly is, you know, and, and, that, and it has to truly be because if it's not truly, if, if you have a hidden agenda, that's the thing that, like you said, people will sniff that out. And that, that thing that you just mentioned, we actually use that in the job seeking as well is called an exit clause, right? And this actually works really well. Let's let's go kind of to interviews. And I want to just say that interviews start well before interviews start. So the way that you get better at interviews is that you have what's called informational interviews. So this is where we transition that some of those requests that you might send to people throughout this process while you're engaging with their content or you're messaging with them might be to have a short informational interview, especially if they're at your peer level, especially if they're at the organization in the field that you want to be in. Like you want to gather some more information because you're actually also qualifying the company too. A lot of people forget that. There's like, yeah. there's this dynamic of it's like, oh, one way street. Yeah. The company has all of it. Oh, please give me this job. Like you yeah, should be right. evaluating it as well for yourself and qualifying. Is this a place that I actually want to work or is this going to make me more miserable than I already am. And you don't want that. So finding, finding people that will actually talk to you for 15, 30 minutes, even an hour about what their role is like, about what the company's like, like you can, you can have these conversations. And I think that's one of the things that happens before a potential interview process that really makes a big shift. Because if you're going into an interview process, but you've already had a couple informational interviews, you're going to know a lot about the company already and that's going to help you come into the interview at a more at feeling at a more even standing, right? It's like, "Oh, well, I'm also qualifying you guys and I've done this pre-work." And they're going to appreciate the fact that you've done some of that proactive work because a lot of people are just applying and 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 barely even researching the company at all, right? So, along with the informational interviews, if you're going into an interview having research done, like that is obviously a no-brainer, but not just about the company and about their mission and about their initiatives, but the person that you're interviewing with. Again, the key to all this is just interpersonal relationships. So you're studying that person as much as you can 
prior to going into that interview so that you have a good, well-rounded view of what it's like to, to be them. And that'll help you also ask certain questions because there's going to be a point in time where you're going to have questions that you ask and you want those questions to come from a place of not only that preparation, but I don't want to be able to find an answer to the question that I'm asking on Google. I should be able to ask a question and not find the answer on Google. So those questions are either really specific to that person and their opinion or something that wouldn't be available easily online. And those are just just a, a few tips. I don't know if you have a, a thought on that, but I have a few more. No, no, that's that's great. Yeah, getting to know the individual is key because they're the ones that are going to either decide or pass you further along, right? So if you can make a connection with them in a powerful way, certainly. I don't know if you do anything with negotiating with salary or anything like that. I do, yeah, I do. Um, I think there's a few more things on the interview. I just want to be mindful that I'm not just uh, spewing at you, Jason, for like minutes on it. <laughs> I get I get, I get, get conscious about uh, my rambling. So No, it's it's all good. Listen, we could do uh, probably a four-hour podcast on sure just can. interviewing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me break. Let me break down just a couple more things, and then we'll go to the sure the, the um, negotiation piece. So, a couple more things. One is again the job description. The job description is like your cheat code for for everything. But people really like after they apply and after they go, through, they don't look at it ever again look into the job description and figure out what are the requirements and what are the things that they're asking that you do. And when you're creating your stories, right? When you, you're not, not just answering questions, but create stories about accomplishments, about metrics, about things that you've done previously. Create those stories around specific bullet points in the job description. So every single time that you go in an interview, you should be spending at least a number of hours on that specific company, on that specific job, on that specific person, right? There's different layers that you're, you're looking at. But the reason I say create stories is a lot of people will like start with the questions that they're going to get asked. And there's some good practice there in looking at sample questions and, and actually saying things out loud. But even more impactful is how well have you internalized the stories of your career? Because the stories of your career can be multifaceted if they ask a question about challenges, if they ask a question about motivations, if they ask a question about a time that you did this, one story might be able to cover all three of those. So you being able to fit those stories into different molds of questions is really, really crucial. So get that understanding of the stories rather than only focusing on questions. And the way I like to look at a story is start with a preview. So you start with a very concise context the most important thing that the person needs to listen for in one sentence. Then you go into the steps of the story. So like what's the action that you took broken down into three steps, for instance. Three is nice because the, the, the law of three, like I just love going one, two, three. And then the wisdom drop at the end. What was the result and what did you learn and why does it apply to that company? So if you do the movie... Wisdom drop. Yeah. I, ha- I haven't heard that. I yeah. like that. It's just like... Yeah. It's the mic drop. It's the wisdom drop. Do- like drop that. it on them. So movie preview. Yeah, bam! Wisdom drop. Movie preview. Steps to the story. <laughs> drop the wisdom on their head. Drop it on their head. <laughs> That's the way to do it. All right. So 
I love that. I, I think that's a, that's a great way to look at actually how you're going to be answering things throughout the interview and, and actually how you're preparing so that you can mold those because a lot of people, when they're in the actual interview, they get a little tense, like, uh, breathe. Another thing is just breathe. <laughs> like, like people get really fat. They talk really fast. So they, just, uh, they need to like get through the interview. It's like, don't be afraid of pauses. Take a pause. Take a, take a deep breath. Like show that you are willing to sit there with some silence sometimes because some of the best answers to your questions are going to come with that extra thought that you gave yourself, that extra space that you gave yourself. You just jump into an answer without thinking about it at all. Uh, it, it's, you know, it may feel like you need to have the answer really fast, but I think interviewers also respect when you are thoughtful about your answers. So I think all those things are pretty good. That's great. It's so helpful to have a framework when you're nervous. So the idea of just kind of prepping that in a way that's, yeah, that you can lean on that in the moment. Super helpful. Deep breaths, man. Jason, always goes back to deep breaths. (sighs) That's the good stuff right there. That's free, dude. Can you believe it's free? (laughs) something in this free is free anyway. I don't know. I, 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 I one day is it going to be like this breath is sponsored by <laughs> Wrigley Pfizer. Or whatever, it's going to be Pfizer. I mean, if, if uh, anybody can find a way to sponsor uh, breath, it will be our home country. I'm sure. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I think so, man. No offense. All right. Let's, let's talk about a little bit about negotiation and you could just give us your, 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 maybe your number one, tip because I don't want to steal too much of your time here. We we can have we'll probably have to have you back on on another point and talk travel. I mean, we did a deep dive on the the remote work stuff, but uh, and by the way, I, I do want to point out I think Jordan, a lot of the stuff you're saying, you know, the networking stuff and some of these principles and everything uh, apply to business owners of as course. well in terms of like yeah. ways to connect and stuff like that. So, you know, not to try to like turn this episode into an all-encompassing thing, but I do think that I'm going to mention that up front. It's like, you know, some of the strategies you're sharing, it's not just for job seekers. It's also for entrepreneurs, I would say. Well, and that's so, funny because I have, and you, I hey, have you never people know. who've read my book and they get to the personal branding section, they get to the networking section. And the way that I look at networking and systemizing networking is really helpful for people that need that structure, right? Like having the five by five by five, for instance, gives a structure to something that otherwise has none. And you just evolve it a little bit to like, hey, who are my target clients or who are my target partners? That's the only way you evolve it. It's just not for a job search. So yeah, you you look at things just slightly differently and a lot of this stuff can be used because you're essentially just selling yourself, you're selling your ideas and you're becoming persuasive and influential. Thanks. I just wanted to point that out because there's a lot of value there. Uh, you had the book you mentioned, Remote for Life, How to Find a Flexible Job and Fast Forward to Freedom. We will uh, link to that. Dude, I mean, you wrote a book. How did that feel? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, some days, I felt like throwing the, throwing the computer out of the window. Uh, yeah, it was a few years of work, man. Um, I actually, I was lucky enough to be able to write it with a publisher called Scribe Media. They used to be Book in a Box. And they really helped with everything. So I don't understand how people do it without that kind of help. But I wanted it to be like just a really legit book that could stand test of some time. And funny enough, like six months after it 
it's written, ChatGPT comes out. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, like I, AI is like changing everything now. So that's great. Um, but, you know, I had originally started writing it in 2018 and then I stopped. And I'm really glad I did because then the pandemic hit. So there's always something that's going to, uh, you know, force some of your ideas into uh, obscurity potentially. But I think it stands up pretty well. And man, it's so, it was so fun to have it done, like to actually have it in my hand <laughs> and say, I got this done. Like I, there was a, there was a celebration we did. My girlfriend got me a cake where she printed out the, the book on the cake and it was, it was awesome, man. It was so much fun to, to have it done, but very <laughs> difficult process. Congrats, man. Yeah. The fun part does sound like holding it up when it's finished. That yeah. does sound like the most fun part of writing a book. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. How can people get paid the most they possibly can? How can people get paid the most they possibly can uh, in a remote job or is this just in, in life? Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, this is uh, for negotiating a salary, I should say. Ah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I think one is have skills that demand being paid, right? There's going to be certain jobs and certain classifications of remote work that it's, uh, it, it, you know, you're not going to have the leverage. And that's what negotiation is all about is leverage. So look at the different leverage points that you have in a negotiation for your job. One of those is having multiple offers because then that truly gives you the flexibility and the freedom to walk away from an offer. And if you don't truly have the ability to walk away mentally, if you don't truly have the mental ability to walk away from an offer, then you are not in a negotiation. I just want to make that clear. So if there, if you're going into negotiation and you're scared that something's going to happen and you actually aren't going to walk away, say they say no, and then you're like, okay, I'll just take it, then this wasn't a negotiation. <laughs> so think of those leverage points that you have. Uh, think about what are your your badness, like the best alternative to a negotiated agreement. What are the things that can also be supplemented in a negotiation? That would be uh, paid time off, for instance, it would be a certain level of flexibility with remote. Obviously, we want to be only dealing with companies that, that have that best in mind. So if it's not compensation, maybe it's bonuses, maybe it's advancement, maybe it's mentorship, maybe it's a, a whole host of things. So have all those batnas so that you know, hey, if they say no to like my compensation request, then I can come back with something else that feels like I'm getting, still getting something out of this negotiation. And you have to legitimately be able to walk away and also separate the conversations. Don't have a negotiation conversation during an offer. So if you get an offer verbally on the phone, do not accept it right away. Thank them and ask them for it in writing and understand when it, in, uh, you know, you're being appreciative, you're getting it in writing and you're also understanding when it is that there is an expected decision and Basically saying, like, I'd love to see it in writing and make sure that I go over it and, ha and, and formulate any other questions that I have. You separate that into a second discussion where now you have negotiation. And the negotiation also includes all the questions that you need to feel good and secure about what it is that you're, you're going to be doing. So if you have other questions about the payment structure or, uh, you know, how the company works or whatever, add those in the top part of the agenda of that negotiation conversation. And then have that negotiation conversation on the second half of that. Okay, great. Have you ever read Never Split the Difference? Great, great book on negotiation. Yeah, uh, Chris, uh, is that Chris Voss? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, a lot, long time ago. Um, 
and I've listened to a few podcasts that he has as well, uh, or that he's been on. And there's definitely a lot of principles that I try to take from there. He's obviously a lot higher stakes in negotiation, like, uh, but the the principles remain the same, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, great stuff, man. I don't know if there's anything you want to close it out with just like sort of last minute wisdom drop. You want to, you want to end cap it with a wisdom drop? Yeah. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's drop some wisdom on, on, on folks. Um, yeah, typically the symptom is not the problem in your life. So if you're not getting these interviews, if you're not getting any responses, if things aren't happening for you, there's a lot of times there are symptoms that are not the actual root of the problem. And with most job seekers, the sneakiest thing that I ever see with them is their own belief system. And it's really sad to say, but most people just don't actually believe in themselves. And they've gotten enough confirming evidence from the job search that they shouldn't believe in themselves. So I'm here to tell you, take a step away, reset, learn how to gain some belief in yourself and look at the things you've done well in your life as confirmation that you can actually do this because you have to believe that you can do it in order for it to happen. Awesome. I mean, I would call that a wisdom drop, I guess. Boom. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, so much great advice here. And like I said, we'll have to have you back on at some point to maybe talk yeah, some about travel and, and all that good stuff. We have our traditional, we have something called Dugnod here in Norway. Have you heard that term? Probably no, I haven't. It sounds like donut, but it's just, a, um, <laughs> yeah, Dugnod. It's like D-U-G-N-A-D. And it's this uh, like Norwegian concept where like everybody comes together from the community to mm. clean up essentially. Okay. But you can apply it to, you know, so they have this with like the soccer league or whatever, like everybody will go and they'll contribute so we have our neighborhood uh, Dugnod coming up. I don't know why I'm bringing this up. I think there's something about, you know, what you mentioned today with uh, community and kind of the fact that it, connection and all that stuff, which is such an integral part of, I mean, it definitely sounds like for you, you know, long-term happiness on the road, living the lifestyle, but also, you know, getting there in the first place by getting a job and the things we talked about today, which really comes down to, like you said, building authentic relationships and, and connection and things like that. And, Man, I really appreciate that. I'm so glad we got to finally have a chat and I hope we can stay in touch and do that for yeah. cold plunge at some point. Hell yeah, man. Big shout out to, to Chase <laughs> for putting us uh, in touch. And Jason, I just wanted to really thank you, man, because when I first started traveling in 2018, I remember distinctly that was when I first downloaded your podcast uh, and was listening to some of those episodes as inspiration. And to just be on it a few years later is like, it's awesome, man. And it's a testament to what you've built as well with your community and, and all the different things that you do. And, and you've just had such a great reputation for with, with all the people that I've interacted with that know you and Mitco being another one of them. And I know you guys uh, had, had a really cool project with Location Indie. And there's just, yeah, there's a lot of parallels within what I've seen you do in this space to what I attempt to do. And I'm just super grateful to be here. Thank you. Good, sir. That's uh, super kind to hear. We'll link to the various things. Of course, uh, the remotejobcoach.com being, would you say, the main hub for everything? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can get to pretty much everything yeah. from there. 
Cool. So if you need some help, you heard today, Jordan's a wealth of information. So um, definitely reach out to him. And that's why I had wanted to have you on because you're, you're the expert on this, my man. So thanks once again. Thanks for the kind words. And I definitely look forward to staying in touch. All right, brother. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you once again to Jordan Carroll for stopping by the show. I'm so excited to be connected with him. Shared a ton of value there, right? And I'm going to leave you with a quote in a few moments that I think wraps up this episode well and sort of brings together a lot of the principles that he shared. Speaking of those, if nothing else, I would say take Jordan's advice on building relationships because that benefits you no matter... If you're a job seeker, if you're an entrepreneur, there are so much great actionable strategies that Jordan shared and really simple to get started. So think of one or two people you've been meaning to connect with. Maybe it's an author you admire. Maybe it's somebody in your industry and you just haven't had the time or taken the time to reach out yet. Maybe you're even intimidated. I know I've been in that situation before and probably will be in the future. Well, take some of Jordan's advice and... That will be the challenge for today. Just reach out to one person that you've been meaning to connect with and just try it out. You got nothing to lose. Start building that relationship. And I wanted to give you a, an actionable takeaway to go about your day. And also, I want to give a shout out to somebody in this community who reminded me that there is a travel opportunity worth seizing. It might be staring at you right in the face. Maybe you have a plan in the works for it. Maybe not. Either way, wanted to bring it to your attention and also give Judy some props here. She wrote me an email with the subject header, Dream Big. She said, I'm 71 years old. A few years ago, decided to dream big, take a really big trip, but I didn't want to do it alone. I talked to my oldest daughter, Jennifer, who has lived abroad and traveled a lot, if she would be interested in an extended trip. I suggested since I'm retired that we really go for it and travel for a full year. She was employed full-time and wasn't sure how she felt about it. Finally, at the end of 2019, she said she would seriously consider it, but to give her about six months to make a final decision because it would mean quitting her job. And in the email, Judy goes on to talk about how the pandemic derailed them from their trip, but ultimately they decided to take it and she finishes up, quote, It was an epic 12 months. Not only did we learn so much about the countries we visited, 19 in all, but we learned about each other. Both of us reside alone, me in California and Jen in Colorado, and we suddenly had a roommate 24-7, challenges to say the least, and they're both still adjusting to life back in the U.S. as well as back living alone. And she finishes up the email saying, I just wanted you to know that dreaming big can truly become a reality if you really want it to happen. So thank you very much, Judy. Congratulations on the persistence and the drive and never giving up on that (laughs) big dream and taking that trip with your daughter a year abroad. Sounds incredible. 19 countries. And I wanted to offer this up to you as a travel opportunity worth seizing. And what I mean by that is planning a trip with a close relative. Of course, this might be something you've done before. Maybe it's been too long. Maybe you've never done it before. Maybe you've always wanted to take a trip with one of your parents or that aunt or uncle you're close with or a cousin you're close with or whatever the case. These moments slip by. People don't stay young forever. And despite challenges, difficulties, as Judy mentioned in her email, Jen, her daughter had to quit her job and, you know, required a lot of commitment and sacrifice, but they have these memories forever. And I wanted to share this because 
if this is something you've either been putting off or perhaps something you haven't thought about in a while, that is the travel opportunity for you. It's right in front of you, traveling with a close relative, planning a trip together. Even if it's just a weekend trip, my mom and I and the kids took a trip to Sweden when she came to visit, which was super nice. And I'm actually in the beginning stages of organizing a family reunion because I'm like, you know what? I can't see everybody. So what if I can get the extended family to come to me? I'm just going to make the family reunion myself. So there's things you can do like that to bring people together, even if you want to bring them to you. But I just want to throw it out there. You know, it's a gift to have even a weekend, a week, even a short trip to have that time together with a close relative who you really love and who loves you and seize that opportunity if you get the chance to do it in the coming months or within the next year. Okay, I will leave you with a quote that I think wraps up this episode very nicely. We talked a lot about relationship building and networking and kind of just doing it in a way where you know, you're not attached and, and you're yourself. And you can do all of this being yourself. That's the beauty of, I guess, putting yourself out there in this way, whether you're trying to re- land a remote job or, or start a business, you want to share your story. Jordan talked about the importance of creating stories around your accomplishments. And I think the art of that is just, you know, sharing those stories in a way that is authentic and and just being yourself. I think that's the most important thing to keep in mind and one of the things that will make it a lot more fun, right? You don't have to pretend you don't have to be somebody you're not. You can just be yourself. And that comes down to authenticity. And this quote from Charles R. Swindoll, I don't know who that is, but he had a nice quote on authenticity. I wanted to share to wrap this one up. He said, I know of nothing more valuable when it comes to the all important virtue of authenticity than simply being who you are. We can all do that, right? We're just here. Just be yourself and go out and get them. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode and I will catch up with you next week. Peace and love to you and yours. Thanks so much. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 